Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul White. It's the 15th day of August. It's a Monday. I hope your new week is up and running well and that you are resting in the free favor of God. I pray favor on you as you approach your work week and or maybe your school week. I know it's about that time. Um, I think uh, my daughter starts in another week, at starts college in another week. And so I know high schools in some parts of the country are underway, universities are getting underway. And so just favor on all of you and all of the things that you endeavor to do. Today, we come to the conclusion of our little journey through Paul's letter to 2 Timothy. And when we finish, I'll give you a little insight into what's coming up in the next few days. Actually, what's coming up tomorrow will be different, and then we'll start something new the day after that. We'll get to that in a second. Let's get to verse 17 of chapter 4, where Paul says this. And part of this we read yesterday. We stopped. I'll show you why. But the Lord stood with me. Strengthen me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. We stop there. But that's not the end of the verse. The next line is, Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And then a change of verse, verse 18. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm not trying to be nitpicky. I just feel like that last sentence... The also should probably go with the and of verse 18. The the top of 17 is still talking about the fact that it's a contrast to the 16th verse. Everyone forsook me when I first started preaching this. Then 17, but the Lord didn't. The Lord stood with me. The Lord strengthened me so that by me the message might be preached to the Gentiles. Then the phrase, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work, seemed to go together to me. They, even though one's in 17, one's in 18. So I don't, I know I'm making too big of a deal of that, but it seems as if they, they flow a little better together. And also it gives us a chance to address the fact that Paul doesn't use literalism because Paul's a good Hebrew writer and Hebrew writers don't use literalism. They use allegory and metaphor almost, almost constantly, even in their storytelling, they give fantastical versions of their stories so that they can tell a greater story. I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion. None of us assume that Paul was almost killed by a lion. But rather, the lion throughout the Bible is an antagonist. Only when we get to Revelation, and Jesus is referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah, Does it show the lion in a positive light? But even there, it's merely trying to express his kingliness. Oh, and by the way, I've said this before, but I don't think I can say it enough. He's the lion one time in Revelation. He's the lamb 28 times in Revelation. And even when he is the lion, he looks like a lamb. And so the lion is merely the title while the lamb, of course, is who he is. But in either case, is he actually a lion or is he actually a lamb? So we're not to assume that Paul is delivered from an actual lion, but that Paul was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. This could be also a reference to some of the Hebrew stories of the Old Testament. One, of course, could be the very obvious Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are thrown into the fiery furnace and delivered, and their counterpart, their buddy, Daniel, is thrown into a lion's den and is delivered from the mouth of the lion as the angel actually swallows up 
or not swallows up, but closes up the mouths of the lions. And so whether it's a pit of fire or a lion pit that the Lord, quote unquote, delivers us from them all. And so here's Paul referencing that. He could also be referencing David when David says that he had killed a lion and a bear. The Lord had delivered him out of the lion's paw, he said. And so that could be another reference to, it could be a reference of Paul referencing back that God delivers him from the adversary. But in any case, it leads to 18, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that can't be taken as a way of saying, the Lord's going to deliver me from everything because if that be the case, he'll never die. And what's super ironic is that he, you turn around and not long after the close of 2 Timothy, Paul dies. He dies in the very prison of which we think he may have written this letter, which tells us that Paul, I don't think Paul believed that the Lord was going to give him some sort of supernatural release from death. Not when you consider that a few verses earlier, he said, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. Fought a good fight, finished the race, kept the faith. He knew he was about to go. And so the idea that the Lord would deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom would mean that he didn't think he was going to die, I think is wrong. And that's based upon the internal, just the same chapter, it would be wrong. It's that Paul's faith is in the Lord, that whatever works against him, the Lord's going to work it to his favor. That doesn't mean everything's going to go well. It means that the Lord never leaves him or forsakes him. He believes the heavenly kingdom is his to have glory forever and forever. That leads us to those final closing remarks, and we read them from 19 to 22. Greek Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Prisca and Aquila, another Greek rendering of Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila are a woman and a man. It's a very unusual thing in the New Testament Actually, it's an unusual thing in the entire Bible to name the woman before the man. You have Abraham and Sarah, David and Bathsheba, uh, Jacob and Rachel, all down the line. But to have Priscilla and Aquila means the woman in front of the man. And interestingly, when the Bible refers to them first in Acts 18, it's always Priscilla and Aquila. And here's another little side note. Priscilla and Aquila are the ones who lead Apollos to Christ. Apollos is a good Jew, understands Torah, but he's led to the fullness of grace through Priscilla and Aquila. And there is some pretty good, I don't, I'm not saying I agree with it, but there's some pretty good scholarly arguments that postulate that Priscilla might have been the author of the book of Hebrews. I toss that out there for you. I'm putting that in a footnote uh, to a little passage in my new book, by the way, for what that's worth. Verse 20, Erastus stayed in Corinth. Trophimus I've left in Miletus sick. I've always wondered if the New Testament writers healed every single person the way we act like they did. Why did he leave Trophimus in Miletus sick? Why didn't he just heal him? Um, I think you can catch that I don't think they walked around just healing everyone. Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you as well as Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren of the Lord Jesus. Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. A long time ago, I don't think this is even out there anymore, I did a sermon called Final Words, and I looked at the final words of Peter, Paul, and John, I believe, in the New Testament. And interestingly enough, grace is the final word on their lips. We don't know what he actually said on his deathbed. 
but grace was certainly involved in, well, grace is the last words of this letter. All right, that's it. First and second Timothy. I hope you've enjoyed the journey. I've told you we're going to take some time, some downtime in the next few weeks by airing previously recorded material. We'll start tomorrow with a listener request, a one day listener request. I'll tell you more about it tomorrow. See you then. God bless.